Hey listeners, before we begin the episode today, just a quick shout out to those of you who are in active recovery. You know you want to date, but you're overwhelmed or frustrated with the process um, of dating and recovery. We have an opportunity just for you. Uh, check out our new website, One Layer Deeper, O-N-E, LayerDeeper.com, uh, where we have information about our weekend dating and recovery intensives. Uh, these are awesome. They're a lot of fun. They help you dive deep into the issues that uh, keep you from dating successfully, having the relationships that you want, um, and also helping you find the kind of people that uh, you won't avoid their phone calls after a first date. So uh, we have two events upcoming. We're going to have a weekend for women. That'll be October 11th through 14th. And a weekend for men. That'll be November 1st through 4th. Uh, So if I'm talking to you, active recovery, and uh, you're frustrated with the whole dating process and would like to experience a deep change there, One Layer Deeper is for you. So check us out at OneLayerDeeper.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. for sharing podcast the podcast where we explore all things recovery healing and relationship remember to subscribe and download episodes in the itunes store the google play store or on the podbean app you can find more thanks for sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on facebook at facebook.com slash healing paths that's path with an s Hi, everybody, and welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm John T. Uh, Jackie is taking her daughter to college this week, so I'm flying solo uh, as far as hosting the show goes. Um, But I'm really excited about our guests. Uh, One of them you've heard from before. We have uh, Ken Adams from Michigan on the line. Welcome, Ken. Thank you. Good to be here. And uh, we're also talking with Wendy Conquest from Colorado. Um, And hi, Wendy. Hi. Hi, John. We're really excited to have both of them. Ken and Wendy have been uh, working together uh, on a Mother Enmeshed Women workshop, um, which I think is really exciting. And um, I've uh, done some work with Ken. I've met Wendy. And I think they're two great people to be doing this. So that's what they're going to be talking to us about today is uh, their work with Mother Enmeshed Women. Thanks, John. Um, just, just, uh, Just if I could clarify... Before we get too start, uh, before we get too far in the conversation, so it's not just mother enmeshed women; it is parentally, in fact, if that's even a word, women who are enmeshed with one or both parents. Great. So, and there are some differences that Wendy and I can get into, but it's not just for women enmeshed with their mothers, but women enmeshed with their fathers as well. So, great clarification. Thank clarify you. that. Yeah. Um, so, could you each maybe talk a minute about? What what brought you to this point in your career where this is something that you are are focusing on and, and helping people with? Wendy, would you like to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Okay. So I have a history of working with uh, sex addiction, both with women and with <clears throat> men, and um, and so uh, that also led to working with partners of sex addicts and. So sex addiction is its own sort of unique dynamic. Um, and with the work that I've been doing with Ken, what I'm finding is that 
a lot of the roots to the sex addiction and also being partnered with a sex addict uh, lead to this enmeshment, this underlying, I can, we can call it an attachment disorder that happens uh, in, in the family of origin. And um, not to discredit uh, the trauma that happens when a woman finds out that she's married to a sex addict and not to give an excuse for sex addiction or what happens with that dynamic. However, these, the way that these pieces play out in relationship are complex. And so I think it's important for us to understand uh, how, how, how we come into the world and the families that we are born into and the dynamics that happen and then how this potentially becomes a template for relationships later on and also for unconscious behaviors that we manifest uh, sometimes that get us into trouble later on. I, I love that concept of the families that we're born into become the template for the relationships uh, that we form. I, I think that's an incredibly useful way to understand the families that we came from and understand the relationships that we have now. Yeah. 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 Well, so I'll go ahead and chime in. So I, I've been, <clears throat> I've been working on this all my life, actually. <laughs> I was raised in a family in which enmeshment was the norm. So uh, I have a long story and a short story, and I'll give you the, the short story with a couple edited pieces to it. But uh, I grew up watching my mother enmesh with her mother and, uh, and watching my father be displaced out of the marital relationship. I didn't call it that when I was a kid, but I knew something wasn't right. And I think it fed his sex addiction, although he was that way by himself, but he had a handy excuse because my mother was married to her parents mm. and my father was married to his addiction. And then, of course, my mother, uh, not knowing any better and being uh, raised to give over her life to her parents, mostly her mother, she was a mesh more with her mother. Um, uh, she, she transferred that to myself and my brothers. And so I, I had spent, uh, you know, the early part of my life breaking free, but still loving my parent. That's the title of uh, the new website I have, uh, Overcoming Enmeshment, is breaking free while still loving your parent. And so, uh, you know, I wrote my first book article in eight, 1987 about enmeshment and, and sex addiction and covert incest when the enmeshed relationship gets too sexualized. And then my first book in 1991, and I've been working with men primarily. Uh, we've, I've worked with over 100, almost 150 men from all around the world. Every corner of the world have come into the workshops. And I have been just, just you know, beside myself, wanting to do one for women and realizing that I, while I can help it and get it started, I can't be the one to ultimately facilitate it. And I've been looking around for a colleague and friend who I think gets this. And Wendy, I'm just so delighted, Wendy, that you and I have connected around this. And Wendy and I have done some, some uh, talks and some presentations on this already. And I feel uh, very uh, grateful and comfortable that Wendy understands what this is. And um, so I think the, the issue of enmeshment is overlooked in the culture, mm -hmm. particularly for women. Uh, men too, but not, but women e even more so, uh, cause I think they're expected to mm -hmm. sacrifice themselves, particularly for their family of origins. 
And um, so I think it's important because I think it's a barrier to getting free and actualizing your life uh, romantically as well as other issues, you know. So anybody who has been on the other end of an adult enmeshed with their parents, so if you're a husband of a woman enmeshed with her mother, you know you get the backseat in that marriage. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman enmeshed with a, 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 with a man who's enmeshed with his mother or father, you're in the back seat. Enmeshment is a barrier to fulfilling oneself intimately and romantically. So I've been wanting to have this set up for women for a long time. So we're now have one scheduled for October 19th, Friday at 4 through Sunday the 21st at noon. And we're already half full. We are so excited. to welcome women to Michigan, to a beautiful retreat center, to help them break free and still love their parents. We're going to work ourselves very diligently with them to do that. And they'll be in good hands with Wendy for most of that workshop. And I'll be there Friday night. And that's that's exciting to me that um, people are hearing this message and they're identifying with it. I've, I've noticed in the work that I do clinically, enmeshment is one of those words that um, people who know it know what it means when you say it. It, uh-huh. it, it really strikes them. And I, I think, Ken, your point that our culture um, kind of encourages this uh, for women, you take care of everybody at, at great personal cost. My, my question is, um, what, what's the, like, where, where does it cross the line from this is how we kind of indoctrinate women to, like, what, what's the thumbnail sketch of a woman who's parentally enmeshed versus someone who's just a product of our society? Well, she feels burdened with too much caretaking and responsibility for her parents' feelings and needs. She feels smothered, engulfed, trapped, intruded on. She transfers those feelings onto her primary commitments, which get in the way of satisfying herself romantically and career-wise. She feels disloyal, burdened when she pursues her own wishes. Um, and she probably is dealing with a dissatisfied spouse or partner. Mm. And the line is crossed when the sacrifice of the self is necessary to keep the parents love. The job of the parent is to celebrate the child, the adult child's independence and nothing short of that. And so the line is crossed when that is reversed and that the child cannot leave. I can, and if I can add, I think um, one of the one of the challenges that I've had with uh, working with clients with identifying, you know, are they a mesh or are they not, is that there's a great deal of confusion um, because in enmeshment, it, it can look like love. It can mm-hmm. it can look like a lot of loving and caring behaviors mm-hmm. from the parent, um, and a lot of times most i would say most of the time the mother doesn't know that she is enmeshed with her child mm-hmm. she she's working out of her own uh, primary scenario her own family of origin and um she, she just she 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 just feels like she's doing the very best for her mm-hmm. child um but there's a level of anxiety that uh comes with the parenting and so the child so, and Ken, I just want to say, I, I, I was really touched with your own story. I don't mm. know if I've ever heard you share in those terms before. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and, um, and I felt just, bad for them. I felt, I felt, just to follow it up and I'll get out of your yeah. way. I, I felt I okay. my mother crying every time she'd hang up the phone from her mother. 
because yeah. my grandmother was intruding on um, my mother's life and my mother could not break free. It was, it was hard to watch and I knew mm-hmm. something was off. I just didn't have the words for it. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. Um, and um, I, I'll just say that I, I have been working on my own personal enmeshment issues with my mother. My mother died about a year and a half ago. And um, uh, I, I'm an only child, and um, they had me later in life. And um, from the outside, the relationship between my mother and I looked very close. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I've talked to friends from my childhood, they say, oh, your, your mom and you, you, you just got along so well, and you were so happy together, and mm-hmm. you did everything together. And she loved you so much and she cared for you so much. And growing up, I always felt that um, I, I, couldn't, uh, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't go too far outside of a certain realm of feelings or behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so um, if, uh, if I was too happy uh, because something happened outside of my relationship with my mother, uh, then the, I was going to get criticized or put down. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was sad, that wasn't allowed because my job was to make my mom happy. Mm-hmm. And I remember being well into my 30s uh, before really getting that, that something was really wrong. And um, thank heavens for good therapy <laughs> and good therapists and thank heavens for the resources that I had to start identifying it and starting to say, hey, I need to do something different here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of times people will go to, well, I, ju- I don't want to cut off my relationship with them. I don't want to completely uh, 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 annihilate them or, or exile them. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, uh, it comes to, in the psyche, I believe it comes to an either or. I either have to be completely in the deep end of the pool with mom or I have to completely cut her off. And mm-hmm. what Ken and, Ken and I are presenting is this um, paradigm of um, you, you don't have to go to the polarization. There's, a, right. there's another way. There's a different way to do this. Yes. I'm really glad you said that because I could imagine that someone listening to the podcast would feel terrified that they had to choose between their own independence and the love for their parents. Yeah. And and it really doesn't have to come to that. Although, uh, without without, um, hiding, there does have to be a separation from the contractual demands that I must sacrifice myself for you no matter matter what it costs me, right? And there there does have to be an effort to do that. That doesn't mean that you never see your parents again. It just means you learn, and this is what we'll teach in the workshop, mm-hmm. how to navigate that separation so that you can honor the love, but more importantly, honor your right to your independence, which is what the parent should be celebrating anyway. Yeah. So we help, we help work with the belief system. Often the belief systems, and you probably can speak to this more than I could, Wendy, but particularly between mother and daughter, I think a lot of mothers and daughters, daughters who are meshed with their mothers, really have a belief system that's so entrapped about, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's, and it's almost their identity now, right? That you're not just asking me to, 
take care of myself. You're asking me to remove myself from, from the core of my identity, which is I get from my mother. And to some degree, we want to honor that, right? I mean, the daughter um, does want to absorb the mother's presence to some degree in her womanhood, but not at the cost of her own selfhood, where the mother um, either unconsciously or consciously exploits the dependency. You know, so we, we often see mothers and fathers, let's not forget fathers with daughters as well, although yeah. it tends to be a little more romanticized or sexualized sometimes before, between daughters and fathers. But, it, you know, these, these mothers and, and fathers come from family systems themselves and recreate it, which they have demands for loyalty to the family at any cost. Uh, usually those demands are accompanied by messages of guilt and there's sometimes prohibitions against outside friends or activities. Time together is maximized. You're made to feel guilty if you want to do something separate. Mm -hmm. A high degree of excessive dependency. Um, and then when it involves a parent, a, a, a child and a parent that fills the loneliness of another absent parent, sometimes that parent feels like the surrogate husband or wife. And now you're really, now you're really in trouble. Uh, yeah. And you need help to break that. And that's what we want to do in the workshop. But I, I don't know. I, I think women and their mothers particularly go unnoticed because of what you had raised, Wendy. I wondered if you had any more thoughts about that? Yeah, well, there's this piece um, around, um, you know, what is love? And uh, then for the parent to be health, you know, to be a healthy model for, for their child. Um, and so uh, I think that love gets really confusing mm -hmm. in enmeshed relationships. Um, because again, from the outside, it does look like love. It really, it, it, it sort of, it, it feels sort of <laughs> like love. Um, and, and as, as a child, um, I, I knew when I would go over to some of my friends' homes and I'd see how their parents would interact with, with my little friends, that something was different. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so of course, with enmeshed households, uh, that uh, family dynamic is the good family dynamic. That's the perfect family dynamic. That's the desired family dynamic is the message. Um, and, and so then uh, when I would go to other families and feel more warmth, mm -hmm. uh, I'd feel more genuine warmth and um, connection and like the kids on some level were authentically being seen and heard, I, I would resonate with that. So it was very confusing to go back to my house and even trying to create that with my own parents and it just landing flat. Yeah. Um, so, so what that creates, I believe, is that the child in some way starts turning off in relationships. Mm -hmm. And so it's this dynamic of, well, I'm enmeshed with you, but there's a certain piece of me that has to take care of myself because mm -hmm. my needs aren't really authentically being met. And as I'm, as I'm listening to both of you talk, it's coming up for me that um, I think love, love for us can only mean what we've seen. Um, and mm -hmm. I think often there's a big disconnect between what we're being told is love and what yeah. feels right to us. And, um, 
I, I love when you the description of these families that don't meet the visible love ideal, but the kids seem more heard and more validated. Um, I think there's a big piece of this de-enmeshment process, which is reclaiming what love means for you and realizing that love has room for both of us. It's well, not that's a nice way to say that, uh, Jonathan. Thanks. Thanks. Um, so I, I wonder, like, um, what are some of the initial hurdles you guys see to women who are parentally enmeshed kind of moving to that place where love can have room for more than just the parent? I think it has to be right where you're talking about the belief system, right? That, that, that having to go back and uh, challenge the core beliefs around what love is. I think, Wendy, you spoke to that as well as you, Jonathan. And really to understand fundamentally that as a child, your job is not to take care of your parents. It's the parent's job to um, take care of you and allow you to separate and leave. And not only to allow you, but to celebrate your separation and to live with the loss. One of the last parenting, and I know this as a parent myself, as my uh, son is getting older, is, is one of the last major hurdles as a parent is to tolerate the grief of your child's departure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that is exclusively on the parent. It is not the child's um, uh, uh, responsibility to cover that up. And when you, grow, when you are raised in a family with, and you see a lot, of, and you see your parent um, lonely, hurting, maybe because of addiction of the other parent, um, you feel pity for them. You feel sorrow for them. So you have to begin to confront the pity, the sorrow, mm-hmm. the belief system, and the guilt as signals that are inappropriate for you. So that's that. In my mind, that's the major hurdle that we'll face when uh, when we're in the workshop. It, it'll be the first one the women face to get into the workshop, mm-hmm. and they'll have to say, "Wait a minute, I don't have to feel all that all the time." Yeah. Uh, and let me get curious about what it would mean to be able to reconsider how I love my parent. So that bear, that, that whole issue of feeling sorrow, pity, guilt, disloyalty, uh, and that whole belief system that supports that has to be challenged as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder too, Ken. Um, so there's this dynamic that happens with the parent. If, if, the, if the child starts to differentiate, especially in adolescence, that the parent I've seen can go one of two ways. One way is to uh, try to connect more with that child. So they might become more involved in their activities and more involved with their friends and more involved with their, you Perfect. know, friends, right? Or Perfect. You know, if the if the kid starts really detaching, they may play the big abandonment card and mm-hmm. start cutting them off or uh, well you know, not not returning phone calls when they, they say, okay, I'm not going to call every day. I'm going to call once a week. And then, you know, oh, suddenly they're not home on, for that once a week call, um, which, which then... I believe uh, triggers that, oh my gosh, I'm going to now totally lose my parent. Mm -hmm. Well put, well put. uh, One more tactic, one more tactic I've seen is this uh, triangulation. Mm -hmm. So uh, my own mother did this to me one time. (laughs) 
she, I had a, uh, a childhood friend I grew up with. And so when I started differentiating, she started really attaching to that friend. Uh, uh, to, 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 right, to pull me back in and to make me, je- to unconsciously, I believe, make me jealous. But I think it's, she felt the, in her mind, she felt the bond being threatened and could she couldn't tolerate that, just as you were saying, Ken, right? They, the, the healthy way is to tolerate your child leaving home, your child becoming their own person. It's a time that should be celebrated, but with a parent that has enmeshed, it is incredibly scary and painful. So uh, there's this, 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 these other pieces, I think, that, need, that maybe need to be recognized. Yeah. You're, you're really describing retribution and punishment, yeah. right? Uh, which, is, which re-engages the guilt and the dependency, yeah. which, is not, which is not fair, <laughs> but frankly, to, <laughs> to the adult child. I, and I, you really said that well, Wendy, you know, the, the whole idea of getting over-involved with your child's activities. Um, and the other thing that happens is that the parent may send her agents after you. Oh, yeah. Her yeah, agents talk. being your brothers and sisters, your aunts and uncles, your, to call you or to send you texts or emails. How can you do this to your mother? Um, you know, you're, you're responsible. So, you know, one of the things that happens in these systems is there's lots of players. Mm-hmm who have normalized enmeshment and been entrapped by it and then demand that you must then do the same. So it's not uncommon, uh, another tool of the parent to draw you back in is to send an agent, we call it the agent of the parent, out after you. And you get a call from your aunt or your uncle or your brother or sister and say, how could you do that? I've, I've seen, Ken, in, in the, the work that I've done with you and, and seen you run these enmeshment workshops for men, this concept of the agent of the mother, I think, is huge. Um, and I wonder, Wendy, if you could speak to specifically for women, what are the <clears throat> messages that those agents carry that kind of bust through any resolve or bust through any, this doesn't feel good. Like particularly for women, what, what, uh, what do the agents do that's effective at keeping them entrapped? Well, one of the agents that can step in is the other parent. Ah, yes. That, Oh, that's a tough one. (laughs) That's really tough. So, um, so it can be, um, it, it's so, I have to say, you know, it's, again, it's unconscious, but it's, it's unconsciously manipulative. It could be, um, well, you know, you, you know, the, the kids aren't at home anymore and, and you're home, um, you know, doing your part-time job. So why, why can't you go yeah. over yeah. and take care of, mom or dad you're you're you you have i i'm busy i'm or or you're right there you're mm-hmm. right in boulder colorado i'm in california i can't i can't be there but you're right there why can't you do this mm-hmm. and so the person starts questioning their themselves and saying right why why can't i it, it, and what i find is that uh, somatically it, their bodies really start um, reacting to the enmeshment dynamic. So Mm -hmm. I have a lot of clients that have had chronic illnesses, 
Um, mm. They've had a lot of um, mental health disorders uh, that they couldn't describe. They couldn't really link to any particular situation. And when we start working on the enmeshment issues, things start changing and and their bodies start reacting more, which mm-hmm. is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, um, their bodies make them very, very aware that something is wrong. So the denial uh, is harder to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the good and the bad news. One is there's a lot of um, un- uncomfortable feelings. But the great thing is their body is this um, amazing compass to say something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and I've had clients get to the point where, you know, the guilt is put on by a particular agent and they go to call or they go to, you know, go to the home and they can't, they physically can't do it. And so, uh, again, this is the good and the bad news, but I think more good news that uh, that that their bodies are coming online and they're and they're unconscious in, in dream world they're mm-hmm. being told this is not a healthy dynamic this is yeah. not the best thing for you well and it's it's this real reattunement to your own discomfort over the attunement you've had to your parents discomfort um which is well, that's well put that's well put yeah, yeah. just what, what yeah. you felt is that mom's anxious or dad's upset and i've got to fix that versus i'm anxious and i'm upset <laughs> and and right. who's looking out for me Yes, right. yes, very much. You know, before, you know, we run out of time here in a bit, I, I don't want to under uh, report on the daughter with the father, right? So we've been mm-hmm. primarily focused on the mother. And that, that, is, that is more what we'll discover in the culture is the, is the daughter enmeshed with her mother, replacing her father. And the other thing, the other reason the father will call the daughter is, I don't want to deal with your mother. And I don't want to be intimate with her. I want to be with my affair partner. So you go take care of her. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other reason you get a call from the other parent, by the way. But when the, when the, we're speaking primarily heterosexually here, and I think the dynamic's a little different if your orientation is not heterosexual. But when, when the daughter is enmeshed with the father and the father has felt entitled and has poor boundaries, he may turn the daughter into his sexualized girlfriend. He may uh, encourage certain way that she dresses. She might, he might take her out to the show. And, and pretty soon, she's not just enmeshed with the father. She's also on his arm, sometimes literally and symbolically, as his sexualized girlfriend. And that young woman who later in her ad- young adulthood or later adulthood will tend to have a, a somewhat different course than the woman enmeshed with her mother that uh, young woman may be more inclined to have an addictive pattern around romance, sex, and love. Um, so I wanted to make a note about that. I don't want to leave her out, that mm-hmm. woman who's enmeshed with her father. And we have women more, and this is not like men. This is very, uh, very more, much more typical for women than men. We have some women who are, are enmeshed with their mother. They're sort of the surrogate husband and caretaker of the mother. And they're the girlfriend, the symbolic sexualized girlfriend mm-hmm. of the father. We have some women who are caught in the war in the marriage. Mm-hmm. It's re- and that's really, really, really dim- uh, damaging and difficult because her identity is, is lost. And she really needs assistance to separate out from that. And she needs permission to do that so she can find herself. 
So those are some unique, uh, I think, some uniqueness to women, different than men, that I wanted to mention before we get yeah. too far. Yeah. Anything you'd add, Wendy? Yeah, well, and um, so when, uh, when Ken brings this up of women who are meshed with their fathers and it becoming sexualized, this is a pretty uh, delicate, um, difficult, hard place for women to look at because um, who wants to, and, and, and let me just say that, that there, there can be, uh, this dynamic can happen and no overt sexual behavior happens. Mm-hmm. So, right, exactly. so, so we're not talking necessarily about incest, right? We're not saying that. We're saying that the psychological and energetic dynamics are such where it can feel that way, but nothing actually happened necessarily. Mm -hmm. So again, it's this confusion around what's love and what is, what are appropriate boundaries? Um, Who am I as a woman? really like what how and how do i feel about men what's my belief system about men what how do i believe that um i'm supposed to be with a man who am i to a man and who's Mm -hmm. a man to me so it all becomes convoluted when you have this dynamic and i just want to mention um that um ken i think that 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 you your mom and dad did not divorce right no, my mother divorced him after all. Interestingly, she divorced him after we all left the home. Yeah. Our brothers and I. Yeah. Right. And my mom and dad never divorced. And um, I have worked with a lot of families that are going through divorce or post-divorce. And this dynamic um, can, can come up with separation and divorce. So you have the, the loss of the marriage, even though one person might be saying, this is what I want, um, this, is, this is appropriate for me. And, and for the other person, it's not. It comes as a surprise. They never wanted it. And this is when I see some of that enmeshment either start or really ramp up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good observation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one, one last question for me, and this is, this is more on a personal note, but as, as you guys have done a lot of work with enmeshment, um, professionally, personally, um, this is something that you guys are, are, are both clearly, uh, very good at what, what's the part of this, that this, uh, helping people to unenmesh and still love their parents. What's the part of this that lights you up most personally? Like why, why do you keep doing this work with clients? You want to go first, Wendy? That is a great question. Ken, I was going to ask you to go first. Right, well, I, have an, I have an immediate response. <laughs> when, I get, when I get reports uh, back that says, I, I went home and I, I'm thinking of the men I've worked with. I, I went home and I made amends to my wife and I separated out from my mother. I went home and I finally... Uh, proposed to my girlfriend of seven years who I couldn't make a commitment to. A lot of, by the way, a lot mm-hmm. of mesh people struggle with commitment, mm-hmm. <laughs> either committing too quickly into the wrong person or uh, not being able to commit at all. So I, I love it. 
or I, I, I get reports from the spouses that the men have come home and they say, I had the best sex I ever had with him. And I realized that he went home and he was free to be himself. Hmm. When I hear reports of men and women who are free to be themselves and they now have both feet in their bodies and in their lives and they're moving forward and contributing to themselves in the world. I love that. I love that. And, uh, and, and eventually most parents concede <laughs> sometimes reluctantly, they're not going anywhere. And in the end, uh, I think it's in the best interest of the parent too, because mm -hmm. they need their own life separate from their child. So I love when I see that separation. I think it's critical. Well said. Thanks, Ken. What about you, Wendy? Well, um, so I, I think my life's work has been around helping people who are in pain and suffering. And so this is one of those um, more subtle dynamics that doesn't uh, get brought to the surface um, uh, easily sometimes. And so uh, the whole idea of someone who is ready and willing to say, wow, something is really, really wrong and I'm willing to look at whatever it is. And oh my gosh, if it's my relationship with my mother or my father that's, that something was wrong and I didn't know it consciously, but I'm ready, that's so exciting to do that work. Mm -hmm. And I think what's, what's, what, what gives me the most hope is that when someone does the work and they start... Uh, changing their own behaviors. Now they're creating a legacy going onward. This breaks the chain for their children and their children's children, for their, their grandchildren. The whole family shifts uh -huh. to a healthier, happier, more fulfilled uh, place. And, and to me that, I mean, I get goosebumps when, <laughs> when I talk about it because there's, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you. Thank you both for taking some time to talk about this. Um, and, and thank you for the work that you're doing. How is it that people can find out more about these workshops? Well, I think the simplest thing is to go on to the new website that I have, overcomingameshment.com, overcomingameshment.com, and they'll see some information about the workshops so they can contact me. And if they want to talk to Wendy, I will pass on their name and contact information to Wendy. We're already half full, so we have a few slots left for the October workshop. We love to um, hear from women who are interested. We will need to screen them by phone for 10 minute uh, brief screening to make sure it's the right fit for them and that their expectations about um, what, what they'll be getting uh, will be met. That so, workshop is that workshop is a three day workshop. So we really uh, did what what we could to get the most material in mm -hmm. in a shorter period of time because we know that um, I'm going to generalize here, but but women usually are are extremely busy and extremely mm -hmm. um, focused on um, family or or their work situation. So we we purposely did uh, Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Right, Ken. Uh, no, uh, Friday nope. at four. So we're starting at four. We have a working dinner yep. um, into Friday evening, uh, probably close to nine, all day, a long day Saturday, and then an early start Sunday morning to noon. So we've got mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We've got well over two days of intense work, and we have a we have a singular focus. So just so people, we're not going to fix all the problems, we are basically working in the workshop to help women create an emotionally corrective experience in their bodies and in their hearts and their feelings and their souls of what it would be like if I felt unburdened. And then we give them a workbook that helps them protect that space once they leave. So it's singular. It's, we are singular, singularly focused on helping them f- with feeling emancipated and to know what that would feel like inside themselves. Yeah. We can do that in that period of time. We can't fix everything, but we, yeah. we are, we are yeah. definitely going to get that delivered to them. Yeah. And I would encourage um, anybody listening to this, if October doesn't work for you, to call uh, Ken anyway and do the initial assessment because I'm confident that we'll be doing workshops at other times during the year. So, um, Absolutely. Well, yeah. yes. I'm sure you will yep. be. Great. Well, thank you both. And Thanks, John. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank it was good talking yeah. to you. It was um, great. Thank you. Yeah. To our listeners, at the end of another episode, we want to remind you that your story matters. And remember, there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths, Inc., or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. And remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time, and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.